Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I am your DJ, Doris, and today I am joined once again by Professor Christy Porter. Hello, Christy. Hi, Doris. Hi, everybody out there in, in uh, radio podcast land. I am so glad to be back here, Doris. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Today, our song is a real tearjerker, <laughs> something that Tugs my heartstrings, since I don't have you by the Skyliners, a song from 1958 to keep us company as day draws near and this night comes to an end. Well, Christy, does it make you feel sad too? It is a very, very sad song. Um, and it's actually the only song in the whole soundtrack that I had, I wasn't familiar with. So I really? had to really, yeah, I had to really, really listen to this one. So, yeah, it's very sad. And I'm not entirely sure how it fits in, but I bet you know. I mean, in the scene before, the one that we've been talking about, it's supposed to bring a couple back together. Hmm. Oh. hmm. So, lyric says, I don't have plans and schemes. I don't have hopes and dreams. Since I don't have you. That's sad. That is so <laughs> sad. Yeah. I mean, even the wolfman says it makes him cry. Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> no happy hours. Well, we see someone cry in that, in that scene, right? Laurie is crying. Oh, I didn't notice her crying. I noticed mm. her sad. Is she crying? She's crying. She is crying. She's wiping oh. away tears. Okay. So, why is she crying? What has happened? They, they've, they've broken up. She and Steve have broken up. Yeah, because Steve, the jerk, sorry, but <laughs> he is a jerk. He wants to go, of course, see other people. Mm -hmm. It's going to strengthen the relationship in, you know, yeah. back, backwards logic land. Very backwards logic land. Yeah. And then, of course, Laurie, she went to Mel's drive-in and she saw Steve and Buddha, the, uh, the car hop, kind of have a little intimate chat and she's drawn conclusions they might have been the wrong ones but from laurie's point of view she's drawing the right ones yeah and she kind of has to feel like it's really over okay and she's crying she's crying in her car she's driving her her etzel along the strip and she's crying in the car and then of course that wonderful melancholic song is drowned out by a roaring engine Yes, yes. So uh, Lucas really uses the ambient noise noises pretty well, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. And I love that it's it's not just music that is playing over the scenes, but it's music that the characters listen to. Yeah. I, I think that idea of having that continuous radio show on all night is genius. Yeah, it sure is. So there is this car coming up behind her. Mm -hmm. And there is an old friend in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We've kind of been talking about him before. Just a little. And he revs his engines. He revs his engine. Mm -hmm. He's trying to be cool. Well, he is very cool. He doesn't have to try hard. And he's got that giant yeah, well, engine. Giant it, it, engine. It depends. it depends if you go for that kind of cool. It's true. And it's not certain that Lori's going to go for that kind of cool. Yeah, she kind of, she thinks about it. She she doesn't react at first. She kind of stares straight ahead. Yeah. 
and then he kind of doesn't rev his engine anymore. But then she looks over, she beckons to him, let's pull over and I'm going to hop into your car. That's right. And then Laurie gets into Bob Falfa's car. And there we are. And there we are with a crystal skull. I'm with, hanging from oh there. God, <laughs> that's skull! <laughs> <laughs> My note is, skull looks ridiculous. Yes, yes, it sure does. It sure yeah. does. I'm not sure who we're impressing with that one. It's ridiculous. <laughs> if it if it were a crystal skull. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not just, crystal. It, but it looks still. like it's made out of rubber. I'm sure. I'm sure. But it is pretty ridiculous. That's it for sure. It is ridiculous. Well, Steve's car has these giant fuzzy dice. So. Oh, oh, wow. I didn't notice. See, this is why I have to watch it again, Doris. Come on. You've only watched it once. I know. And I've watched, I've watched, you know, parts of it lots because, <laughs> because <laughs> I have the clips. Yeah. But wow. I mean, it is so beautifully put together. And this segment is is pulled is put is put together really beautifully too. So we begin with that song, and then we get the revving of the engine, and she's she's very sad, and she's she doesn't know what she's doing, and she ignores him at first. Then she makes a kind of a decision, right? Yeah. Well, my my uh, note says, why does she pick Falfa? Yeah, I don't know why she picks Falfa. Why I don't I don't I would like to start actually with why Falfa picks her. She's she's actually well she's by herself. She's good looking, but yeah. she's driving a very sedate car. She's not driving anything fancy. She's driving the family car. She's driving the family car. Yeah, so yeah. that is her parents' car. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I mean, Etzel, like that poor car. Yeah, gets such a bad rap. Yeah, it's not like Steve's car, is it? No, absolutely not. And I mean, Bob Falfa, he is not from this town. He's Mm-mm. an out of towner. Coming to raise John. Mm-hmm. So how is Laurie connected to him? Does she pick him because she doesn't know him? That is my question. I think you're you're probably a hundred percent right. Well, or does she know him? She wouldn't would would somebody would she know the racers who come into town every once in a while? I don't guess so. No. Okay. Okay. So she doesn't know him. She would know everybody else in town. She would know everybody else cruising. That yeah. Night. Okay, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Probably if she, well, if, they, if there was some other guy from high school that she knows, all of her friends are cruising yeah. that night, and she got into someone else's car, probably be um, all about town within the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen Laurie riding with so-and-so. Yeah. So maybe, is Bob Falfa like the safe choice? <laughs> he is the stranger. He won't babble to everyone about it. I suppose so, but I thought I thought it was really the unsafe choice. She has no idea who this. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, you know, getting if you're, in, if into someone's into, car, into a stranger's ugh. car. This is everything your parents warned you about, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And she's she's pretty straight and narrow. She's driving the straight and narrow car. She's dating, you know, straight and narrow Steve. She tells Steve earlier on, you know, we're going to be straight and narrow. Yeah, she's had cheerleader. So she so he picks her because she's by herself. And she picks him because he's the stranger and safe. Or stranger and unsafe. Or stranger and unsafe. Oh, stranger and unsafe. Well, I think it's unsafe. It's most definitely unsafe. And it literally is unsafe in that movie. Yeah. Uh, For different reasons that everybody thinks about. But also how strange. I mean, he is kind of taken aback how she reacts. And he kind of now expects, well, girl talking, and she sits there, and as long as you keep your mouth shut, we'll be fine. Yeah. 
her. <laughs> so he says, hey, baby, baby, what do you say? And she's like, don't say anything. We'll be just. So so I think what I found very curious about that exchange, you know, it's a powerful pair of lines or her line yeah. is really powerful. She really puts them in this place. She's not going to be impressed. She's there, but she's not going to be impressed. And it's going to take a lot of effort on his part. But she's totally controlling the inside of that car. Absolutely. I mean, it was also her who backhand. Come on, I'm going to pull over. Yes. Let me in. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's kind of like, what is she about? Yeah. <laughs> this is so not like the other girls I'm picking up. I mean, I, I always kept wondering, where did his girlfriend go? He he yes. came into town with a girl in the car. Where did she go? Where is she now? Poof, she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. Conveniently disappeared. <laughs> yeah. So we can, can, can we speculate on that for just a moment? Of course. What are the, what are the possibilities? They had a fight and he booted her out of the car. They had a fight and she insisted on getting out of the car. He probably um, said, well, can't you keep your mouth shut <laughs> for a second? <laughs> yes, that would, that would mirror. Okay, yeah. sure. That would rhyme. I, I hope it was that they had a fight and she insisted on getting out. Yeah. I don't like thinking that he booted it out of the car, although I wouldn't put it past that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know. But maybe, you know, in our most generous moments, um, he was giving her a lift home. So she was visiting his town, and he's like, sure, I'll drive you home. <sighs> Probably not. No, a stretch, eh? All right. That's, that's a stretch, I think. I mean, Okay. Well, she's, she's missing. Yeah, I mean, he is also the character who starts singing old musical themes to the ladies he wants to impress. So odd. So odd. <laughs> that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And Lori's not having it. I love the way she's she's really controlling this this good looking guy with a, a very clear race car who is looking for that you know one of the the town well the town he's the one looking for trouble and she kind of like hey you don't say anything everything that comes out of your mouth is nonsense anyway yep yep <laughs> she's 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 there for herself she's not there for him she's there for herself for her yep. situation. Exactly. And then we've got this really sad song. Yeah, and the sad song. <laughs> Super sad song. And of course, um, they are not the only couple that we see in this scene. No, no, we go to a different couple. We're a different couple, a nice juxtaposition, I think. Mm-hmm. Carol and John, who is actually driving her home. But he doesn't, they don't start out driving her home. He's trying to drive her home and he can't, he can't get her address. And then, of course, he kind of resorts to a very creepy kind of play or ploy yep. to get the address out of her. But it works. It absolutely works. I didn't see that move coming from him. But, of course, I don't know why he's been driving around all night anyway. I have to watch the movie several more times, I think. To I think <laughs> that is that just out. what these kids do because there's nothing else to do in Modesto. I know, but he doesn't have to drive the 12-year-old around. He is a very soft-hearted guy. He is. Deep down. I always think that Falfa likes to come across as open, but he's really kind of tough inside. And John is likes to come across as tough. It's really soft oh, and fuzzy wow. inside. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. And Lori, Lori is there for herself, and Carol is definitely there for, for you know the experience around her, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I like the scene. She is kind of muted. She's John coming onto her even though we can see that it's a fake come on. That's kind of kind of left her 
a little bit shaken. Yeah. Yeah. She much. was trying to be so grown up, and then yeah. she is just a twelve-year-old girl. And John actually does say, you know, this is the first time you've been quiet all night. <laughs> so he notices. Yeah, he notices, and 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 of course, compared to the dialogue that just happened, this is well. Thank God you're keeping your mouth shut for once, and the other guy is why not saying anything. Yeah. And then uh, what I love about Carol in the scene is that it now becomes so very clear that she is really just a kid. Yeah, and she speaks so genuinely. You know, yeah. um, I had fun. I had fun. And do you like me? I mean, she is a very... She has this big mouth. Mm -hmm. She tries to come across as the tough girl. Mm -hmm. She is just an insecure teenager after all. Yeah. She wants to be liked. She wants... uh, That's why she needs proof everything happened. Yes, she needs proof. She needs proof. She needs to hear it. She needs uh, the um, the out loud experience. So everything about this movie is, you know, things that people can relate to at that age or stage. And she has been watching it as an observer. And you're not supposed to say, do you like me? I mean, really like me. You're, yeah. you're, you know, that's one of the, the things that everybody keeps to themselves. At least, at least at the beginning, when they first think it, you don't say, you know, don't say the quiet parts loud. But she says the quiet parts loud. She always says the quiet parts loud. <laughs> yes, That's what I does. like about her. I mean, I of course I've watched that film a lot, but before we started doing this podcast, I hadn't watched it in probably ten years, if not longer. And I really didn't care for Carol, but rewatching it, I really can relate to her now. I don't know why it took me like I'm I'm almost forty years older than she is in that in that movie, but um, I can relate to her now. I couldn't relate to her when I was twelve myself. So that's so that's really interesting. So was she she was just annoying, or she was you didn't know what yeah. she was doing there? I mean, I've already said in, in in the scene before that when I watched Star Wars, I couldn't relate to Luke. I had these whiny teenage boys around me <laughs> at school every day. It was not what I was interested in. Right. I'm an insecure 12-year-old myself. This is not one I want to see reflected in my dreamscapes. Right, of course. (laughs) Of course. Of course, looking back, those feelings are very familiar. So she's more sympathetic now, then? Absolutely. Absolutely. She. I think she's my favorite character now. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's strong. That's strong. Yeah. Okay, so I have to think about my favorite character. I don't... Oh, I'm going to have to think for a moment. But um, one of the things uh, that is so striking about Carol, her character, and this scene is that it's so very genuine. So she's really young, and she she acts this so beautifully. Her facial expressions, and uh, you know, she touches her face a couple of times. You can see she's worried about how this is gonna work. You know, I mean. She probably also remembered what her parents told her, that Mm -hmm. riding in cars with boys is dangerous for girls. Yeah. She kind of has this, did I misjudge (laughs) this guy? Have I kind of just very barely escaped a really, really difficult situation? And I feel feel like I've, I've, you know, 12 or not, 12 or 20 or 30 or Whatever, however ages I am, um, I feel like I've I've I know that feeling. I know that feeling of mm. oh, this is not developing the way I thought it was going to develop, you know. And it's all right, but um, you know, phew, I really got away with something that that time. Yeah, and then of course, as soon as she realizes that 
Dad is really still the guy she thought he was. She, old Carol is back. Mm-hmm. She's ex- exuberant as she was before. And, oh, wow, yeah, that is cool. I have to show Marsha. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell everyone, of course. Um, yeah, Lori's going to tell no one. No, he's not going to tell anyone about this. No, no, Lor- Lori. So if we're if yeah, Carol is, is, she's doing the opposite of Lori. Lori's telling no, and Carol's telling everyone. Yeah. Lori is about herself. Carol is about, you know, what's going on around her. But they're both still controlling the conversation. I guess John yeah, controls yeah. the conversation some. Well, he doesn't get a word in edgewise. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, of course, he gives her the, the knob. Yes. And, of course, she, she, she misinterprets everything, you know, <laughs> everything. I mean, she's 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Saying the, the quiet parts loud, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. It also reminded me of The Mandalorian in parts of The Mandalorian. Not, not that we're going to do spoilers, but one, one particular exchange in The Mandalorian. I don't think it is a spoiler because this is clearly <laughs> an homage to that scene. You think so? Absolutely. I think that's fun. It that's was the really first fun. thing I thought when the child mm-hmm. grabbed that knob. And of course, I had to see The Mandalorian before I saw graffiti. So, yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, it works the other way around. <laughs> it does. It does. I'm like, oh, look at that. Hmm. Yeah, that, that was my yeah. first thought. I said, well, someone's been watching their American graffiti. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I love Easter eggs like that. So fun. It's a deep dive Easter egg. It sure is. Yeah. It sure is. So this is a this is a turning point of sorts as well, right? Uh, so we're still playing that sad song in the back. It doesn't end until Carol goes into a house. A house that is dark. Mm-hmm. It is like what three a.m., four a.m. Sun's gonna come up soon. How is no one in the house? I mean, are her parents? Where are her parents? Well, the the lights on, but wouldn't they have been, gone to bed? Yeah, I mean, how are they not worried she isn't back yet? That well, I've been thinking about that the whole movie. I mean, even if even if you're out with your older sister, I mean, she was out with her older sister, mm-hmm. but I don't have kids, right? You are the mother here. You tell me. But <laughs> if it were my daughter, mm-hmm. even if her older sister is older than twenty one or, or something, I wouldn't let her out all night. No. Is it bring her back by midnight at latest? Mm hmm. Um, but they, I'm sure they said, you know, you're in charge and you have to keep track of her. And, you know, they didn't. They just didn't. So she bounces in and they have no idea. Oh. I was kept wondering, maybe they're out of town. Oh, yeah, that could work too. Sure. And they're actually, they have no clue what their kids are up to. Yep. Yep, that's certainly possible. Um, do you think this is the first time Carol's gone cruising with her sister? Yes, oh. I think. Well, that was I mean, quite they, an experience. They keep pawning her. They keep, maybe she, maybe not the first time cruising with her sister, but the first time that they pawned her off on someone else mm-hmm. because they wanted to have adult fun or semi-adult mm-hmm. fun and not have a 12-year-old hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. I would have such a, such a hard talk with that older sister of hers. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's certainly the first time that she has been cruising with someone else yes besides your sister but i i even uh would venture to say that is her first time ever out yeah that could certainly be and that would that would actually it would make more sense if the parents were out of town you know that there there really isn't anyone 
on this last day of summer, there isn't anybody minding the store, particularly. You you have to take care of your sister. Don't go out tonight. Or don't go out on the weekend. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. trusting you. We'll be over at Grandpa's. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's broken his hip. So then I guess that makes me wonder if the sister, you know, I, it seemed kind of spontaneous uh, earlier that she, that they said, well, you, you know, nobody's going to come over and, and ride with you, John, but you can ride with Carol's sister, who he clearly doesn't know. And he's like, no. sure, bring Carol's sister over. I'm oh, not Carol's sister. Bring, bring, you know, you can, uh, what's Carol's sister's name? I don't remember either. I don't remember. So, Big you sister. know, you can, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, she she's available. So she comes running over, and John has no idea. But they thought that was okay. How do they know yeah, it's I mean, okay? It kind of, for me, it always felt they were playing a prank on him. Mm-hmm. But then um, they were just roaring off. Yeah, but they must have known that it was okay. Yeah, so maybe John has the reputation of being a good guy. Yeah. We don't get too much of a backstory on him. We don't get a backstory on either of those characters. Mm-mm. That's right. That's right. And all we know about Bob Felfa, you know, to, for the parallel, is that he's he's from out of town. He certainly looks a little older and more sure of himself. He's not part of this group. And he wants to, you know, prove that he's a better racer. That's it. Mm-hmm. He's certainly not uh, a person who can win doing conversation. No. <laughs> no, that's for sure. So how does the song relate to uh, John and Carol riding around? Well... Carol is sad that the night is over. Mm-hmm. And I also think John is sad that he has to say goodbye to Carol because I think he learned quite a lot from her. What do you think he learned? Well, he kind of could have practiced his big brother feelings. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he doesn't come across as an irresponsible guy. I mean, they have this scene early in the movie where they walk a- across the junkyard and he tells her about all the guys who are no longer there because they were kind of reckless. Right. I mean, he drops her off. He still knows there is someone out and wants to race him. So um, he also tries to, to get rid of Carol because he doesn't want her in the car. That's true. That's absolutely right. true. And he also says that I have no one in the car when I'm racing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, of course, Falfa, he keeps Laurie from getting out. Oh, right. He sure she does. She tells him, before you're racing them, I want to get out. And he says, I'm, I'm the one who's calling the shots. Yeah. Who's staying. I thought that was so strange that he wanted to keep her in the car. Just made no sense to me. I don't know. Trophy? Hmm. I have no idea either. If I were racing, I certainly wouldn't want anyone in the car with me. Just because uh, it keeps my mind from focusing completely on what I'm doing here. Yeah. So she do- so Lori dominates the conversation or lack of conversation, what's going on in the car. And then when it's race time, I guess Falfa says he's going to, do- he's going to, you know, call the shots. Okay. And then <laughs> on the other side, we have John saying, well, you know, I um, can't control myself. And she's like, no, no. You know, Carol says, no, no, I'm calling the shots and I got to go and, and leave. And, and um, she does leave him, but the, but I, back to what you were saying about what John is learning. So John is preparing for this race, but he knows that it's also over for him. He knows he can't beat Falfa. He knows that Falfa's got the better He has car. a better car, definitely, yeah. So maybe he, maybe that's, I don't know when that occurred to him. I don't know if it's in this scene or not. But uh, I think you're right. I think he's learning plenty while riding around. Or reflect, he's being very reflective, maybe. He's thinking pretty hard about what this all means with people leaving and taking care of Carol. 
Yeah, because Carol kind of injects a little fresh air into his thought routine. Because mm-hmm. yep, she's not, um, she is so much younger, and she's yeah. a different generation altogether. When she's John's age, it will be the 1969. Yeah. Yeah, or 1970. We'll have the 68 thing. We have the Vietnam thing. Yeah. So um, her way of thinking is different, and and John is kind of like a little bit old fashioned anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't think John is actually in the 1960s or he's still in the 1950s, thought wise. Yeah. He opens his horizon a bit, also emotionally, mm-hmm. because Carol, as annoying as a teenager as she comes across, I think she teaches him something. Yeah. Yeah, that's new. That's a new idea for me. That's really interesting. You're right, because when he picks up Carol, you know, he's basically just, you know, hassling the girls on the strip and he's, you know, cruising mm-hmm. for a companion. Yeah, Carol's completely different. Oh, you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets a companion, but it's not the yeah. companion he imagined. Not the companion he imagines. Of course, Falfa doesn't get the companion he imagines either. No. Lori's not impressed. No. And she's also, she's kind of always, um, she's pressing against the door. So I'm in your car with you, but I'm trying to get as far away from you as mm-hmm. I can. Physically. Yeah. It's very puzzling. What, what she's, one of the things I like about that is that uh, in this scene, uh, in this segment, rather, in this this song, they're telling us who the people are without saying, necessarily giving us the narration for it, you know, except for Carol, who's, <laughs> who's narrating quite a bit. Yeah. You know, but Laurie's not narrated. So I, I love that. The the scene between Laurie and Fafa, it's basically, um, it's all without words. It's just pantomiming. Mm-hmm. It's mostly yeah. in her face. Yeah, and she really commands that scene. Like, I'm always looking at her, even though I like Harrison Ford. I'm always, because she's such a marvelous actress in this. <laughs> yes, she is. I mean, Harrison Ford, yeah, of course, but he, he can't really shine in this one. It's just too little to do. <laughs> too little to do. I'm okay with that. Also, of course, uh, once upon a time, I probably was thinking that Falfa is a cool guy. No. Yeah. I'm beyond nah. that. <laughs> Way yeah, beyond nah. that. <laughs> yeah. I think the hat is a very interesting choice. And I understand it's because, you know, he wouldn't cut his hair. Yeah. Although we see him at the end of the film after after he gets out of the car, he doesn't wear the hat anymore. His hair ain't that long. But of course, Mm-mm. it's not a crew cut. It's not a crew cut. And it's it's not short like, like Steve's or Toad's or anybody. I think they wanted to give him a, a haircut like Terry. The, the oh, flat wow. top and the long sides. Yikes. Yeah. If, if I had... I mean... Kind of admiring his guts. He's still a very unknown actor at the point and saying, mm-hmm. no, I'm not cutting my hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm glad they didn't try try to give a, a crew cut to Richard Dreyfuss because I don't think that would work. He's got curls. It's just, it's just not yeah. going to work for him. I mean, Kurt is different. Yeah. He looks different. He behaves differently. He has different values. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, everything about Kurt is slightly different. I kind of never understood why he kind of even uh, thinks about staying in this small town. Especially after talking to his high school teacher who says, well, yeah, you want to end up like me? Yeah, I think that's why they bring uh, they bring Kurt in, having kind of already decided. Like, that ship has sailed. And it's not clear to me what he's worried about. I mean, he's got the jitters. He's, you know, we get to know that he's become a writer. Mm-hmm. So he's probably the artistic guy that makes him a little bit of an outsider, I guess, within all of the within the small town. 
And um, of course, out there at college, you are no longer the uh, shining uh, example of culture that you were in your small town America, maybe. Yeah. All the other people there will be talented as well. Mm -hmm. Which isn't going to bother Steve, is it? No. No. Steve's looking forward to it. I guess Steve... Well, let's speculate. So I guess Kurt is going to study literature. Mm -hmm. What is Steve? What is Steve's major going to be? Oh, okay. Well, I could see him. Let's see. So let's see. Our choices are science or math or political science or um, I would say maybe maybe government, maybe business, of course. Yeah. Uh, but no, nothing terribly creative. Yeah. So nothing that you have to be kind of standing out from all the others to be noticed. Study this, get a good job, yeah. buy a house, buy a car, whatever. Whereas if you want to be a writer, that is a different career path. That career path is, is not mapped out for you. Right, right. You're going to have to make that up. Yeah. And I can understand how someone is going to be a little anxious about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the safe choice. It's going to be boring. You're going to stay where you've always been. You know everything. It will feel comfortable. You will yeah. not experience anything new and nothing exciting. It will be safe. And then, of course, you have that unknown trajectory that you're heading for. Yeah. Why do you think, if we, if that's what we think about Steve, then why do you think he asked Lori, he told Lori that he was going to see other people because it would strengthen their relationship? She's the safe choice. So he's keeping her safe. No, yeah. he's keeping the safe choice and he's saying, but, you know, I'm going to want to mess around at college. Yeah, I mean, you can't, yeah, expect <laughs> me, you can't expect me to live like a monk, right? Yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, there you go. Yeah. Of course, he expects probably expects her to live like a nun. Yes. Because that scene, other people always just goes for the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you're kind of keeping the safe choice at home, warm. Yeah. Yeah. You can always come back to. He probably he is not that as adventurous as he he um, wants other people to to believe. He's well. I'm gonna go off to college. I'm gonna get my education. Then I'm gonna come back. Marry the girl, have a family. Mm -hmm. I always yeah. packed him for that kind of straight-laced person. He he has the shinier car, and he might be the more good-looking uh, guy. But he is also innately boring to me. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. He does have, you know, fancier car, but he, I think he is very straight-laced. I think, yeah. you know, he's student body president. He's dating head cheerleader. They're known for their qualities and their predictable qualities. Absolutely. Yeah. And if that is the life he wants, that's okay. Yeah. I don't know that Lori's ever gone riding and cruising in anybody else's car, guy's car besides his. Probably not. So the, her first her first foray out is Falfa? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go big. <laughs> yeah, go big. Go big. Drag racer from another town. Okay. Yeah. In a hat. In a hat. With In a skull. Yeah, when your heart is breaking. Okay. It's stepping out. Then you go for the guy in the hat with the skull. Yeah. <laughs> All paths lead to Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll agree. <laughs> I'll agree. Absolutely. All right. Well, Indy is certainly more interesting than Bob Falfa. Yes, he certainly is. And we get to see a lot more of him. Thank goodness. And he's got a better hat. Much better hat. Much better hat. So... Christy. Yes. You watched that movie for the first time. Right? I did. But you I didn't did. watch it by yourself. You had it for family movie night. I did have it for a family movie night. So, yeah. Tell me about it. 
<laughs> well, um, so my younger son studies movies and he has always really, really liked them. And when I say he studies them, I mean that he curates lists of things to watch and he will pull in classics and contemporaries. He's got some favorite genres, but then he'll also pick, you know, some pretty heavy reflective movies that you know so so he picks all kinds of things and then he doesn't just schedule them for family movie night he knows their anniversaries for instance like we do a lot of um, you know if it's the top gun 35th anniversary which it has mm-hmm. been recently um you know we'll watch that on in the right month or whatever it is mm-hmm. so on occasion i get to suggest things and american graffiti passed you know muster for the list it, you know he also knows that i do podcasts on occasion so he knew that that this was going to be um important and he knew it was an important a short story we had permission to watch, <laughs> to watch this for our family movie night. I see. Your, 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 your uh, family viewing <laughs> is under strict guidance. Well, kind of. Yeah, it's got to be a movie of some importance, you know, so um, anniversary or, or something. And, and you know, he picks great movies. So I picked a great movie because you had picked a great movie. You and Tierney had picked a great <laughs> movie. So. And they had not seen it before. So family had not seen it before. And my husband had seen parts of it before, but never seen seen it before but it you know it, it was a resounding success you know everybody thought it was fabulous and the music was fabulous and the cars were fabulous and you know the the fun the the equally fun in my family is being able to talk about you know well what did you like about it so we do we do that kind of conversation too and we can do that for the next few days and so forth so you know romping good family time i would say oh and also um of course they know a lot of these actors from lots of other places you know for for instance uh we are binge watching arrested development right now which is okay the the ron howard voiceover yeah with a ron howard voiceover and you know he's familiar with ron howard's uh directorial things and and or we are and and um we've watched all the harrison fords and one of the very first things when my kids were old enough to watch television that wasn't, you know, uh, preschool television. I was looking for series that, you know, are clean, they don't use bad language, and they aren't too suggestive and so forth. And of course, one of the ones that I watched with William, my younger son, who does all the movies, uh, when he was young was was Happy Days. So <laughs> that's great. He was super familiar with everything about Happy Days from a from a young age. So of course, he recognizes exactly where all that stuff would have come from in 19, what was Happy Days? 70, 70, maybe 77 to, I don't know, 84 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, really mid-70s stuff. And it's right out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Even though it's, of course, not Steve, it's it's Richie Cunningham. It's Richie Cunningham, whose, whose girlfriend is an old cheerleader named Lori Beth. Yeah. Come on, yeah. you know. I mean, it is so clearly influenced, yeah. Yeah, when Cindy Williams shows up, she is always paired with Richie, even though they aren't dating. But she, uh, if they double date, Laverne goes with the Fonz, and Cindy and and Cindy Williams' character um, surely goes with Richie, and they take care of each other. So it's it's kind of extraordinary for me to you know be real familiar with with Happy Days. So anyway, you know the the kids are certainly familiar with that too. Uh, unqualified success for a family movie night. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Because, of course, it can go the other way around, right? You've oh, yeah. never seen a movie and, and, yeah, well, someone's doing a podcast on it. And, 
so it must be good. And then you really don't like it. What do you do then? I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever guessed it on a movie podcast that I haven't liked. Well, I've done the Mash Minute. Tierney, yeah. hi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, I, I mean, ages ages before I've, I've, I'd seen Mash, uh, I was a fan of the TV show. Yeah. But then I found out I didn't really like the movie very much. I'd rather stick with the TV. Sh- to TV yeah, absolutely, series. it totally different animal, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, totally different but, animal. But um, so it can it can be kind of awkward. It can also be very interesting. Yes, both of those things. I would I would say that Mash is one that I had a harder time. Um, I I also did a, a few minutes with Tierney for that, and I had a harder time commenting. And that's because I was a big fan of the show, and I had seen the movie before. I think, or maybe I hadn't. But but yeah, so yes, I'm 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 aligned with you there. It wasn't that I didn't like it. Well, I like parts of it, but I also had definitely problems with certain aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and providing very, very valuable comment on this movie. <laughs> well, and thank I'm you, Doris. I'm so, so glad that you liked it. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. And now I have to watch it many more times. So oh, thank you for the invi- <laughs> Yeah, thank you for the invitation. So I had the opportunity to, to watch this. I had the good reason to, to put this on because it wasn't going to happen without you. Yeah, I'm so glad we did. Yeah, thank you. So, of course, people out there, Listen to every podcast that Christy guest stars on. Please do yourself a favor. Also, listen to the Indiana Jones Minute because you'll always get a teeny tiny snippet of Christy at the end. Spoilers. And you want to talk American graffiti with us? Come join us on Facebook. Come join our group. Mel's listeners drive in. Come visit us on Instagram at um, VCR Privileges. Same goes for Twitter. You'll be talking to Tierney on there, though, not me. And, yeah, I hope I'll see you again next week. Or probably not me, but another DJ. See ya! He's really fast, isn't he?